You know what? The Cowboys are in the playoffs and they are Super Bowl contenders. Why shouldn't we discuss the top five reasons why they could go all the way and win a Super Bowl? Tonight, that is exactly what we'll do on ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. Let's get to it. Here we go. What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, do me a favor and hit the like button for me if you enjoy the show. It is a Tuesday night, and it is a great night to talk some Cowboys football because little by little, man, little by little, those postseason vibes are starting to settle in. Are they not? We know about the schedule now. We know about our plans maybe in our personal lives, like Saturday I'll do this and I'll do that to be able to get to watch the playoff games, and then the same on Sunday, and then on Monday night. And it's one of those things where... I was trying to think about what tonight's show would be about. And yes, we have already started on our Packers previous stuff. We talked about it since Sunday night, actually, hours after the Cowboys week 18 win over the Green Bay Packers. We talked a little bit about it last night when we talked about Jordan Love. We will talk about it tomorrow night when Aisha Morrison, by the way, from the Dallas Cowboys podcast network, joins the show. And we'll talk about it on Thursday night when we get to the preview slash prediction show. But then I thought, man, Cowboys could really go on a run here. And I don't, and, and sometimes I think that Cowboys Nation is too scared to admit it. And as soon as you start talking about going all the way, people will go like, hey, man, let's take it one game at a time. And while I understand that mindset, I also understand. We don't play the ball game. We're not going to suit up on Sunday and play against the Green Bay Packers. So with that in mind, I will allow ourselves to look a little bit beyond the wildcard round and maybe wonder about whether or not the Cowboys have what it takes to make it to the big Sunday. And tonight, that's why we'll get into those five reasons why the Cowboys can win Super Bowl 58. Let's see what you guys have to say, though. Uh, in the chat, though, let's let, let me say hi very quickly here. We've got Katharina, we've got Gregory and Joe and Toxic, who for some reason is accusing me of having been drinking. Is that because of the Super Bowl aspirations or the Super Bowl dreams, Toxic? He asks, is Jason Garrett the best coach you have seen in your life, not including Mike? I mean, I'm 24 years old, so I think the answer to that question should be yes. I think so. I think if you're 24 years old, you're kind of obligated to say yes to that question, Toxic. <laughs> Shout out to everyone who is joining the show. Uh, well, let's not waste any more time, man, and let's get right into it. Reason number one why I believe the Cowboys could go all the way for the big one and the Super Bowl Sunday. Here we go. Reason number one is very quickly, is very clear in my opinion. And it's got to be Dak Prescott and CD's Lamb connection. You know, I could have kept it simple and say Dak Prescott, period. Because if you look at the NFC field 
of contenders, you would have a tough time convincing me that Dak Prescott is not the best quarterback in that group. Maybe you could make the argument for Matthew Stafford. And maybe you can make the, I mean, I don't think so. I don't think you can make the argument for Brock Purdy. But just statistically speaking, that offense is off the charts. And maybe you could say, hey, the 49ers offense bids the Cowboys offense. And I actually would say uh, that is accurate because 49ers have been extremely efficient, stupidly efficient. So I wouldn't take the, the, the Cowboys offense over the Niners offense, just like overall, right? But if we're talking just a pure quarterback who is playing under center, I do strongly believe the Cowboys have the best one in the NFC, and it's Dak Prescott. And I think that it's not even about a postseason thing. I think if you look at the 16 teams in the conference, Dak Prescott is the best quarterback there is. And some of you might disagree with that, but I think the majority of you will agree with it. Uh, but I'm not going with that because that would be too simple. I'm going with the connection that he has with C.D. Lamb. And I'm going with the fact that CD was really turned into a number one wideout. Like, not the not, not a number one wideout in the sense that he is the top dog on the team. A number one wideout in the sense that he's going to get the ball no matter what. And that was a complaint maybe last year and the year before that with Kellen Moore. And going back to 2019, we were upset about the Cowboys not using their best playmakers. And for the first five weeks of the season, it wasn't really a complaint because the Cowboys were winning until week five when it suddenly became a super loud complaint from Cowboys Nation and CD himself. But after all that, man, was the number one wide receiver in touchdowns, was the number one guy in scrimmage yards. So he didn't beat Tyreek Hill for receiving yards, but he did beat uh, everyone, including Tyreek, for scrimmage yards. And the Cowboys got the ball in City's hands in a lot of ways, right? Not only was it end arounds or jet sweeps, they actually put him in the backfield and handed him the ball. And that's something that I wonder if we're going to see more of come the playoffs. Number one guy in catches, in touches, in targets, as this NFL on CVS tweet explains, true definition of a wide receiver one. That's what City uh, and Dak Prescott have been able to make us bet on these two showing up. I don't think there's a team in the NFC or in the NFL that I would bet against CD showing up, like having them avoid CD showing up, basically. Because even if you look at the games where the Cowboys struggled the most, and I'm just going to toss out like the Buffalo Bills game, even on that one, it was such a weird game where you had three personal foul penalties on the defense, and then you had the Bills just being able to run all over the place. And at some point, you got to go, that was a weird game that it's very difficult to evaluate. If they, if, if they ran it back, I would be willing to bet that CD has a much better game and the Cowboys just overall have a much better game. You can play them with zone. You can play CD with doubles. You can play him with a man coverage, which would be very dumb for you. And some teams have done it. Shout out to the Detroit Lions. Five catches on third down against the man coverage. I don't get why. But hey, do what you will. C.D. Lamp, I don't think there's a right answer to stop him. And we talked about it a little bit, I uh, think, earlier last week. Or was it this week? I think it was last week. If you want to go watch that video where we showed some tape of number 88, C.D. right now looks unstoppable, man, for the Cowboys. Let's see here. Let's see what you guys have to say, though, in the chat. 
We've got Cam saying CD will score first. And Anton says they cannot cover CD. No way, no how. So that's the number one reason why the Cowboys could go all the way and win Super Bowl 58. Number two reason, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, here we go. They're playing at home. They're playing at home. And I know there are some arguments to be made against this whole narrative of playing at home versus playing away. And I think the biggest argument for it is that you had a much easier schedule playing at home that you did on the road. That, that's just a fact. You played the Dolphins, the Bills on the road. You played the 49ers on the road. And if th those three games are played at AT&T Stadium, chances are the Cowboys are not undefeated at AT&T Stadium. I think we can just accept that or at least admit that there's a strong probability that they don't finish 8-0 if those three games are played at AT&T Stadium. So just based on that, you could go, you know what? Maybe it's a little bit of an overblown storyline. However, they do look different in several specific ways. Number one, they have been much more undisciplined when outside of their place. And that has been that has been noticeable and was noticeable in the Bills game. It was noticeable in Philly. It was notable, noticeable in San Francisco. And I don't think that's only about playing a good team on the road. I think, it, I don't know why it is, but it's something about focus, I would guess. It's something about maybe being too excited about showing up at somebody else's stadium or something. It's very difficult for me to explain it. Very difficult for me. But it still, in my opinion, is very noticeable. They play at home. They're a much more disciplined team. Not disciplined enough, maybe. We can talk about that. But they're a little bit more disciplined. And most importantly, here's what I like about having two home games guaranteed for the playoffs, assuming that they win in the wild card round. They're playing inside. They're playing with a roof on. And if it rains, if it snows, if it it, it won't snow maybe, but uh, if, if the weather is a factor elsewhere, the Cowboys usually, or at least we saw it more than once, would become much more conservative. We saw it in the Buffalo game, and I think we even saw it in the Miami game a little bit. As soon as the weather was a factor, the Cowboys were like, all right, let's, let's go run the football. Let's run the football. You look at those games, and the Cowboys ran much more often on first down than they did after the bye week in most of the games. So just having the weather not be a factor, at least for two rounds of the playoffs, and it's unlikely to be a factor if they play a hypothetical NFC Championship game in San Francisco. I'm good with where the Dallas at are, are at uh, playing at home. I'm, I'm happy about that. So that's the number two reason. Now we have a super chat that I need to get to. I need to get to this super chat from Sugar Daddy Williams, who says, "How about them Cowboys?" And he says, "Your show is my 2020 sports machine. Keep bringing it, young OG." Oh, shout out to Sugar Daddy Williams for that comment, man. I appreciate you so much. Uh, thank you for the support and thank you for the comment slash donation, man. I appreciate you so much. Thank you, man. And hey, if somebody calls me young OG, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to love you forever, Sugar Daddy Williams. I am. <laughs> appreciate it. Um, anyways, number three reason. All right. Number three reason. 
Number three reason. Yeah, here we go. The coverages they're going to be playing. They're, the coverage teams they're going to be playing. I know about the PFF grades, but trust me, this checks, up, checks out with the tape and it checks out with the stats as well. Think about this before I show you the graphic that I prepared for this. Think about this. After the bye week, right? So after the whole offensive revolution that took place after the bye week, week seven on, the Cowboys changed their offense and they have been one of the best passing offenses since then. Dak Prescott became an MVP candidate. He's likely going to be the runner-up when it's all said and done. Think about the two games that were maybe a little bit, ah, for the offense in general. Think about that for a second here and let me know which two games come to mind. Just going to run you through what happened after the bye week. You had the Rams, the Eagles, the Giants, the Panthers, Commanders, Seahawks, Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions. It's not, it's not a hard question in my opinion. It's the Bills game which you lost in an epic way. And it's the Dolphins game which even though you had some heroics from Dak Prescott late in the game, it wasn't the prettiest game for the offense. It really was not. Yet you saw Dak pressured. You saw Dak kind of like clutch the football a little bit and be confused at big Fanjos rotating safeties in the back end. It was those two games. It was those two games. Well, those two, when the Cowboys played the, the, them, when they played them, these two teams were top six in coverage grade per PFF. And when you looked at dropback EPA, when you looked at the tape, when you look at the defensive coordinators, right? Sean McDermott and Big Fangio, two of the most aggressive safety rotation guys that you can find in the NFL, it kind of checks out, right? The Bills have got Jordan Poyer. Dolphins have some safeties, or they, they at least had. Now they're dealing with a lot of injuries including at the safety group. So maybe it has changed. And if you look at a PFF now, they're actually dropping them to 12th, but that's because of the injuries. So anyways, those were some of the best coverage teams in the entire NFL. Now, other than the Niners, who are obviously one of the best defenses in the league, and actually the cornerbacks and safeties have played much better than I expected. And I think the NFL world expected. They have overcome expectations. But all, all but San Francisco in the NFC playoffs have coverage units that are outside of the top 15. So I'm going to go through this very quickly. The Packers rank 19th. The Tampa Bay Bucks rank 22nd. The Philadelphia Eagles are 24th. Detroit is 29th. And the Rams are 31st. So the Cowboys passing offense. And it, I'm going to tie it back to point number one in tonight's show. The Cowboys passing offense should have a relatively easy run in terms of the secondaries that they will face in the postseason. And if you ask me, man, Mo, what are what is one of the top reasons why the Cowboys can go all the way? I'm going to say, number one, you know, Dak and City that we talked about and the matchups that they are going to be facing other than the 49ers, who, again, are a whole different animal and... I think as Cowboys fans, we are in a position where you got to respect them. <laughs> you, you just got to. They, they've earned it. They've earned it after shutting down the Cowboys offense three times in a row. 2021, 2022, 
2023 in season, right? So Cowboys are going to have some favorable matchups, man, on this one. And I think that's important to keep in mind. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, moving on to the number four. Number four reason why the Cowboys could go all the way. And then I'm going to look at some comments before we move to number five. You remember all of those red zone struggles that we talked about with Dallas? Those are in the rearview mirror, my friends. Since week seven, again, since after the bye week, the Cowboys have had the most trips to the red zone. And that was the case also before the bye week. So Dallas was always good at moving the ball. But not only are, are they the team to have the most red zone trips since week seven, they are seventh in the NFL in red zone efficiency otherwise known as just scoring a touchdown when you get into the red zone. Now, you look at the offense, and there's a tangible reason for this. And the number one factor that I would put up there is the emergence of Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks becoming who we thought he could become when the Cowboys traded for him earlier in the, in the year, in March, much earlier in the year. Dallas is having Brandon Cooks take advantage of the fact that CDs often doubled or the safeties often rolled up to the CD side. And I think back to that Lions game where, is it the Lions game? Where Dallas shows three by one, right? Yeah, it's a Lions game. They show three by one near the goal line, CDs to the backside, and the safeties working towards him instead of working to the three receiver side, where basically you can find Brandon Cooks one-on-one running a corner route in the end zone, and man, that's been an undefeated route for Dallas at this point with Brandon Cooks and Dak Prescott. And it's not only a corner route, you can also get just like the horizontal route from one side of the formation to the other, or the double move route where Brandon Cooks helps it inside and then breaks to the corner. Dak and Brandon have been on fire on those, and a lot of times, man, it's just one-on-one coverage because otherwise, Dak is finding CD. And then defenses are also worried about Jake Ferguson working over the middle of the end zone. It's, it's just an offense that has figured it out, and I'm excited about that. Just a quick stat for you. Cooks has eight touchdowns in the last eight games. He's been so consistent as of late for Dallas. And that's without the deep balls hitting. Because I think when we, if we... Travel back in time to March when we were talking about this acquisition. I think one of the biggest things was us being excited about Brandon Cooks running those go routes and being able to hit those 50-yarders or those super explosive plays that are just vertical. Dak and Brandon have not even hit in many of those, which in a way excites me even more about Brandon because they're hitting with in other plays, like more intermediate plays. Now, Do I want Dak and Brandon to hit in those deep balls? Do I think there's been some missed opportunities like in the Bills game, like in the Commanders game, like in the Patriots game, in the first Commanders game? Yeah, there's been a lot of those that they have missed. If they figure that out in the postseason, though, oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy. Let's see what you guys have to say, though, in the chat before we get to number five. Mrs. Will Everett Kids Can Draw says, I would like to see the Niners go down. That is my hope. And when we talked about the Super Bowl path last night, man, that's 
if, if that's going to happen, you're rooting for the Rams in, in, in the wildcard round to beat the Lions. Because I think other than Dallas, that's the team with the best shot at them. It is. Rams might not be the, the third best team in the NFC. They might not be. But if you're picking somebody to bring down the Niners and you're not picking the second best team in the conference, who is Dallas, then you got to go with got to go with the Rams, got to go with Sean McVay with a divisional foe, right? I do think that is the case. Let's see here. Let's see here. Uh, man, Gregory, thank you for that, man. Gregory says, if you have not hit the like button yet, then why the heck are you waiting for it? I lost it, but I swear, I swear that's what, that's what he, he commented. Oh, there you go. Now you can see I'm not making it up. Gregory tells this in the chat, man. I appreciate you. And I and I agree, man. If you like this show, help me out by hitting that thumbs up. Gets this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans. I uh, appreciate you all so much for that, of course. Let's see here. Some more comments. Asmodeo says, the Cowboys are not talking. They're winning. Let's see. Katharina says, I pray we keep all our good players for next season as well. Anthony is calling for a Rams-Cowboys championship game. Man, that would be cool. That it would be, I mean, that would be cooler than a than a San Francisco game, right? I, I would appreciate that. This is a good question from Troy. Did the Cowboys get the same defensive end play out of Armstrong and Fowler versus Micah? Not not entirely sure what you mean by that, Troy, but let me know. What what do we mean with same defensive end play out of Armstrong and Fowler versus Micah? Are we talking about like Snap counts? Let me know in the chat. I'm not I'm not entirely sure I follow you there. Sugar Daddy Williams says the Rams know the 49ers third meeting this season. Yep. And the first one, I cannot remember the second one, but the first one, it was a tough one. It sure was. Gregory with a good question here before we get to number five, the number five reason. Uh, Gregory says, Mo, if we end up losing Dan Quinn, who do you think we could replace him with? I think it's Joe Witt. I think it's Joe Witt, and I say this because he's the right-hand man of Dan Quinn. And as much as I like Alt Harris, it does seem like that's the one guy that is right next to Quinn in terms of the hierarchy of the of the defense in Dallas. And I've seen at least one insider kind of suggest this, so... Obviously, I'm not not an insider or anything like that, but I've seen at least one insider who has suggested that it's that it's Joe Witt. And I would assume it's gonna be automatic too. I would assume, sure, maybe they interview some people just to be sure or just to be safe, but I would be 99% confident that if Dan Quinn goes away, then Joe Witt gets a promotion to defensive coordinator. And let me say something, man. Let me say something. I feel like we've said this before, at least last year. But I think if Dan Quinn is going to end up leaving, it's going to be this year. And I think I know we've said this before. I know we have. But I'm not sure that he gets a job, man, in 2024. Like, he absolutely is one of the best candidates just based on experience and what he's done for the Cowboys defense. And what he did before in Seattle. Like people forget about the Seattle portion of Dan Quinn's uh, career. 
But man, he's been so accomplished. I, I don't see why you wouldn't exactly like Dan Quinn as your head coach. Like, I can understand the whole thing about the Super Bowl where he let it go when it was 28 to 3, but I can also understand that he made it. He made it to the Super Bowl. And sure, a lot of people want to give all of the merit to Cal Shanahan, but at the end of the day, man, Dan Quinn was the head coach. So I kind of understand why he's a top candidate, but there's so many candidates, man. There's so many of them. There's Ben Johnson and there's Aaron Glenn in Detroit. There's Todd Munkin, and there's Mike McDonald in Baltimore. There's Raheem Morris with the Rams. There's Brian Flores with the Vikings. There's Bobby Slovic from the Texans. Frank Smith from the Dolphins. Ryan Callahan from the bank. Like, the list goes on and on and on. And then you add Bill Belichick, potentially. You add Jim Harbaugh, potentially. And you add Mike Ravel, who was fired today by the Tennessee Titans. It is a loaded coaching free agency and a lot of good coaches, a lot of them are probably going to be left empty-handed. And, and Dan Quinn could be one of them if we look at it objectively. Something, Joy. <laughs> I understand now. <laughs> Commanders are an intriguing situation. He says toxic, especially for a person like Dan Quinn. So... Quick parenthesis before we get to number five. I know I've extended this parenthesis a whole lot. I apologize for it. Uh, and then I'll, I'll say this and then I'll move on. There are six head coach openings right now in the NFL. And it's the Falcons who fired Arthur Smith. It's the Titans who fired Mike Ravel. Frank Reich who was fired by the Panthers. Josh McDaniels with the Raiders. Brandon Staley with the Chargers. And Ron Rivera with the, with the Commanders. Am I missing somebody? One, two, three, four, five, six. No, I'm not missing anybody. There you go. And then you might still get Bill Belichick fired, and you might still get Mike Tomlin fired from Pittsburgh. I don't know if that's going to happen, but just going to toss it out there as a wild card. I'm not – actually, you know what? Let's not include Patriots and Steelers for now. But out of those six openings right now, which are available now, I think the most attractive one, even with the ownership thing, it's the Chargers just because of just because of uh, Justin Herbert. I think Herbert beats the ownership thing with the Chargers. I would put them at number one. At number two, honestly, I would put the Falcons. That is a talented team. Look at the roster, man. The, the, the Falcons are a quarterback away, but they're very talented. Number three, and this is why I mentioned this, number three is the Commanders. The Commanders have become one of the most attractive head coach openings in the NFL. I would put them above the Falcons. Uh, uh, no, not the Falcons. Above the Titans. I would put them above the Panthers. I would put them above the, the Raiders. Commanders, that ownership that is taking over that team, they're not messing around. There's going to be money to invest in the team, to invest on the roster. They're bringing in that Bob Myers committee with Spielman, right? They're doing things differently. They're really trying this time around. So I would say commanders. And they have the number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL draft. So they're likely going to have Caleb Williams or Drake May. That is an attractive team. And the Cowboys better be ready. And the NFC East better be ready to just have a very competent front office or, or at least ownership group over in a, over in, 
in Washington. So anyways, let's move on to number five because I've extended this too much. Now we're going to get to number five. The number five reason why the Cowboys can win Super Bowl 58. Yeah, here we go. Micah Parsons is still him. And I'm cheating a little bit with this one. But Micah Parsons is my way of saying that let's not sleep on this defense either. Cowboys defense, the, the Cowboys defense has gone through a very weird arc where it was the super fearsome defense in week one. And now some people are trying to act like they absolutely suck. And in a way, in, in some ways, I understand it. If you look at success rate from week 13 when they played the Seahawks onto now, they were the 29th defense in success rate. That's bad. That's, that's not something that you want to be boasting. In EPA, they were once again around average. If you look at the entire year, though, and you look at EPA per play, they're still top five. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The Cowboys are going to allow you to gain yards. They're going to allow you to run on them. And they're going to allow you to pick on them a little bit. Like, you can pick on Aaron Bland a little bit until he picks you off, which is a problem. But it's about that balance. And I've talked about this before, and I'll say it again. Sure, gain yards on them, but they're going to get TFLs. They're going to get sacks. They're going to get turnovers. They're going to stuff the run on third down, on high leverage situations, on goal line situations. We've seen them stand up in those type of deals. And in Dallas, to me, that's what the defense is, is right now. They have their, their troubles, but they have strong fundamentals. They're one of the best tackling teams in the NFL. And to all of this, you add the unrelenting pass rush that is led by Micah, where you got to double-team him every single play, basically, or triple-team him like the commanders did in that play where Sam Howell tossed a pick to Donovan Wilson. Sure, the Marcus Lawrence gets the hit, but it's a triple team for Micah. Just the mere attention that you're giving to number 11 is a game-changing thing. And then on third down, number sixth in EPA per play allowed. And number five in third down conversions allowed over expectation. They're 14th, I believe, if you look at regular third down conversion rate. But I would much rather go with these advanced analytics that are much more predictive. Dallas is legit still on defense, even if they can move the ball on them. I think it's still a unit that can stand up in the big moments and allow you and your offense to win ball games, right? And we saw that against like Miami, right? We saw that against the Dolphins, even though it was the Mike McDaniel unit and Tyreek Hill and Tua, Cowboys we're not giving up that easy on them, right? Like they allow, they force them to kick field goals. A lot of them in Miami. You fast forward to the Detroit Lions game and they weren't rushing as we thought they were gonna. They had some explosive plays here and there, but it was not the offensive firepower that kept the Lions in the game, at least for the majority of it. If the Cowboys offense had taken advantage of some opportunities early in the game, it could have been a, a big blowout win by Dallas. Uh, so I do think people forget a little bit about the defense and how good it is. And I will just start with Micah, man. And that's my way to really bring up the defense and say that it's still a reason why you could go on a Super Bowl run. Even though some people think that it isn't. I strongly believe it is. And it all starts with Micah. And the fact that I'm not sure there's an offensive line that's going to be able to hold him down 
in the postseason. And by the way, we're going to talk a little bit more about this tomorrow night when we get to uh, tomorrow's show with Aisha Morrison. Let's see what you guys have to say, though. Uh, Tank's attitude is unrelenting for our defenses, Anton. And boy, it is. Yeah. Lawrence is awesome. Lawrence is awesome. And, and I talked about this last week when I said, man, we talk so much about Micah that we needed to have an appreciation show for D-Law, who is just, could have been a pro bowler, could have had an argument for old pro. He's not going to make old pro, but he could have had that argument, in my opinion. Mr. Trey, I appreciate you, man. Trey says, you are the man, Amrod. Oh, man, I appreciate that. You're going to make me blush, guys. You're going to make me blush tonight. Uh, Mo, how confident are you in winning this game in monetary forms? It's toxic. Huh. I'm confident. I'm confident in the Cowboys-Packers game. Uh, not as in, I don't know how, what to say about monetary form, toxic, but I'm not as confident as, say, like, I'm not as confident. I'm going to put it this way. I'm not as confident as I was about week 18 going into Washington, right? But I'm also not as unconfident as I was week 17 playing against Detroit. Like, put your 401k on it, says Toxic. Oh, no. Just because, man, I I will never say that into a microphone. I don't care if the Cowboys are playing a Friday Night Lights high school game. I will never say that into a mic, that somebody should put 401ks in a football game, Toxic. But all kidding aside, heck no. It is a playoff game. It's a postseason game, and the Packers have a legit QB. And it's Matt LaFleur on the sidelines calling the plays for Green Bay. So no, I wouldn't say 401k type confidence. But I just look at that defense, man, and I think that's a mismatch. That's one of those game-breaking mismatches. I just don't think they hold the Cowboys down, man. I don't think the Packers will. I really don't. I think the Cowboys will be able to look much better running the ball than they have for most of the season. So no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I do feel confident, but we'll talk more about those specific matchups starting tomorrow night and then on Thursday night. Uh, but yeah, I'll never say that toxic. You'll never get me to say yes if you ask me to put a 401k on something. Solid Doc, by the way, says, uh, so glad we're playing at home. The snow is coming down in Wisconsin. Sugar Daddy Williams says 16 game streak. Trey says, take out a loan. Borrow money from loved ones and put it on Dallas money line. Parenthesis, not financial advice. Woo wee! I'm glad you added that, Trey. <laughs> Effort. I'm putting <laughs> TZ saying, man, I'm putting my 401k since Mo said it. No, no, no. Yeah. You see that I said I'm very confident, Mo. If they were playing in Green Bay, well, but yeah, I'm very confident too. I'm very confident, but but hey, Jordan Love, man, he's legit. So. It's, it's going to be a game. It might be a game, you know? That's all I'm saying. We'll talk more about it tomorrow and Thursday night for sure, though. Uh, it is Tuesday night, though. It is Tuesday night. So before we get out of here, before we get out of here, man, let me just say this. It is time for us to get into the one cool thing of the week. Let me know in the chat, what is your one cool thing of the week? And then we'll get out of here. For those of you who are new to the show, this is our feel-good weekly segment 
on Tuesday nights where we share our one cool thing. It can be something personal, professional, sports-related, non-sports-related, whatever you want it to be. Let me know in the chat what is your one cool thing. Here's mine, man. And I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to keep it simple because it's January. It is the playoffs, and Dallas is the two seed. For a large portion of this season, we thought they were going to be a wildcard team. And sure, they would have had the Bucks if they played as a fifth seed. And now they're playing the Packers, who look maybe a little bit more dangerous in a way. But I'm excited about Dallas being second seed in the NFC and having home field advantage in the wildcard round because for a long time, I thought it was not going to be the case for Dallas this season. It really was a surprise to me. So let's get to your one cool things. Let's see. Anton says, watched Love at Utah State three times and he's a tough kid. Oh, this is, this is not a one cool thing, but hey, Jordan Love, man, Utah State, he was tough indeed. When he gets rocked a few times, he gets off his game. Catherine says, one cool thing, we were playing at home this Sunday. Boom. Aubrey made his last kick to Sugar Daddy Williams. Oh, that's a one cool thing for sure, man. We would be worrying so much about that right now. TZ915 says, my grandson said grandpa for the first time. Boy, that, that sounds like an absolute wonderful thing too, TZ. Congratulations to you, man. Troy says, SEC not winning the, the national championship game. Boy, there are some teams in college football, some non-SEC teams, that you look at the future and you're, go you're going like, hey, man, it's not a sure thing anymore. It's not a sure thing anymore. Now, there's some serious Big Ten teams there. And, you know, the whole conference realignment stuff. Going to have some talent in, in several conferences. Uh, you see that it says Jimmy in the Ring of Honor. And I'll take it. Dallas is the NFC East champion, says Gregory. I'll take it, too. Solids is finally getting a raise next week. Anthony says Jim Harvo. Jim Harvo. That's just like that's the one cool thing, I guess. I think Jim Harbo coaches an NFL team next year. Oh, I so do. I so do. Toxic says one cool thing: Bitcoin can be traded as an ETF. Is this man? This is not the show we should be talking about. We shouldn't be talking about this toxic in the show. But right now, man, I'm wondering, is this like an actual Bitcoin ETF or is it like a Bitcoin futures ETF? Because I remember when that happened, like a couple of years ago and everyone was like, oh yeah, Bitcoin ETF. And it wasn't, it was just futures. Uh, but hey, this is not a financial podcast. This is not a financial podcast. So I'm sorry about that. Uh, PJ, man, thank you so much for that. He says, keep up the great work, go Cowboys. Man, I appreciate that super chat from you. Uh, the support and the donation, man. I appreciate it a lot. Anyways, guys, that will be it for me tonight here on the show. I'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central. And, man, I'm super excited about tomorrow night's show because Aisha Morrison is going to be joining me. And when we talk in the preseason, really one of my favorite primetime shows ever. So I'm excited about uh, talking in the playoffs now gonna be fun and i'll see you tomorrow night thank you so much hit the like button for me bye bye